This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Right, hello everybody and welcome to our latest Royal Blue podcast. This is the post-Old Trafford podcast, the pre-Halloween podcast and uh, in association with Sport Pacer. And I've uh, got with me Gavin Buckland, resplendent in a Royal mm-hmm. Blue shirt. Oh, <laughs> It is. Yeah. Yeah. to see is. that. And Adam Jones and Chris Beasley, who uh, both had the good fortune stroke misfortune to be at Old Trafford at the weekend, yeah. uh, witnessing a positive performance, but a disappointing result. And myself, David Prentice. And because I'm bitter and twisted, I'm only going to start in one place. And that was the decision which has caused an awful lot of discussion uh, at the weekend. And that was the award of a penalty kick to Manchester United. Um, you two were there at the time, mm-hmm. lads. I mean... In fast pace, in normal, you know, sort of angle of watching the game. Did you understand John Moss's decision? Did you think it was a penalty kick at the time? I did at the time. When I saw it, I thought there was few complaints. It was similar to Seamus Coleman um, the week before against Crystal Palace. Yeah. But as soon as I'd seen it back on the replay from a, an angle that referee Jonathan Moss would have been quite a similar position to himself, mm-hmm. it, it became clear that obviously that Adrissa Gay had got the, the ball before he even took the man and then um, Anthony Marshall's um, reaction was theatrical to say the least. That's very kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw your tweet at the time, Adam. I mean, initially you got a similar you know, view, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I thought, I thought he felt a, like he fell over a bit late and a bit weirdly, yeah. but it, it looked to me like Idris Gay had, had caught yeah. him and he, and he just had maybe a delayed reaction of going down. And then I didn't see the replay until a couple of minutes later but yeah. as soon as I saw the replay as Chris said there from from the angle that John Moss had he really should have seen that Gay's got a perfectly clean touch on the ball there's no yeah. there's no way that should be given as a penalty well I mean I think Gavin got a similar view of it to myself uh, yeah. and they were watching it on television and uh, to say I was agitated at the time is uh, an understatement <laughs> because you know the angle that we saw it out you what it is is that you threw, f- <laughs> threw stuff at the wall it spoiled the afternoon for me I think it's fair to say um, it was. It was. I thought it was such a very poor decision, given the angle that John Moss had to actually see. You know, he could clearly have seen the ball divert from you know Jesse Gay's foot, and you would like to think he could have seen you know the theatrical you know tumble uh, from Anthony Martial. He didn't. So, but you know, the, the penalty was given. What irritated me in hindsight is that you know we asked Chris to put a call into the FA, which you did mm-hmm. about um, whether they were going to review the incidents for what's the phrase successful deception of a match official. Yeah. And going to tell us uh, how that conversation went, Chris. Yeah, yeah obviously uh, spoke to people at the FA, and uh, they didn't think that there was a, a, a case to be answered. So not only is Marshall not going to be found guilty, they just don't think there's even case enough for it to go before the panel because I believe with Umar Nias, the first player to be charged with this a year ago playing for Everton at Crystal Palace it went before a three person panel and it has to be a unanimous decision so they weren't even going to check it in the FA yeah. I mean what do you think Gav are you uh, I'm aware obviously of a royal yeah. blue hue in this room so you know we could be accused of bias but you're a very even handed individual <laughs> um, I wasn't on Sunday uh, <laughs> no, no I mean I think it was pointed out at half time wasn't it it's where the ball goes isn't sure. it that, that's tricked 
Moss is the man not sick, but sort of contributes to Moss's decision. Yeah. If the ball doesn't strike Marshall's position, he was it or whatever, mm. and the ball goes at a 90 degree angle to where, where Marshall's running, then you know, the clue there that it's this again, he's touched the ball. The fact that it's his name carries on going in the direction Marshall was running, that's what probably fooled me to be honest when I saw yeah. it. Uh, I thought it was a penalty, uh, and I think that that's what I can see where Moss is coming from there. It was, it was a the other thing I'd say is it was a clumsy challenge. Yeah, I think Michael Ball said that last night. Yeah. I think yeah. in his column that it was a clumsy challenge to make, and it gave the referee a decision to make, which just stayed on his feet and and just sort of shepherded Marshall away from goal. Uh, and that that was the disappointing thing for me was the fact that we should really not have given the referee a decision to make. Full stop. And um, that's what annoyed me as much yeah. as anything else. But if, if we exonerate John Moss then and say that, okay, you know, Jesse Gay forced a decision from him, you know, which I think he got wrong. A number of other referees claim he got wrong. Bizarrely, Mark Lattenberg, who's yeah. never been flavour of the month in this room, but, you know, he stood up, uh, you know, for the Emerson man in his column in one of the national newspapers this week and said the referee got it wrong. But if we exonerate John Moss and say, you know, he made an honest mistake, can we exonerate the FA, you know, for no. not even looking no. into it and reviewing no, it, the decision? It, 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 I yeah. just... I can't see the difference between that one and Nias's one because there was contact for the Nias one yeah. and he, he went down easily, like penalty was yeah, given. Yeah. I think there's just amount, just the same amount of contact in this one. I just, I just don't see why they wouldn't even have a look at it. If it's like, if it goes to the, the panel and then and the, like, it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get uh, yeah. put through then yeah. that, that, that's, that's Absolutely. another thing entirely, but to not even have a look at it is, is really odd well, in my well, opinion. What I want to know about this is, um, and going back to what Chris was saying there, if this was such a problem, mm. which we, 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 we suspected it was, and there was lots of evidence to say it was, if this was such a problem that they had to set up a panel to look at contentious issue, issues of this type, how many times have they had to do, do so in the in the, in the Well, months? twice we can find. So Manuel Mancini is the only other so man who's been it's charged. It's that, that much yeah. of a problem. So... The, that we we've only needed to look look at it twice, so therefore it wasn't a problem in the first place. Or the alternative view is is having setting up the uh, the committee yeah. with a bit picky on who we want to. Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, that's at. fuel to the conspiracy exactly. theorists who claim as a top six conspiracy, and the bigger yeah. clubs in inverted commas like Manchester United yeah. will never be investigated because of the influence that they wield. And you know, if they are very very keen to eradicate it, surely an incident like this uh, is a great one. You know, to hold up as a, you know a, a slogan for the cause, yeah. if but you like. That's what I mean. It can't be. Something's gone wrong there if they've only looked at two instances, isn't yeah. it? Either the panel should never have been formed in the first yeah. place because it's obviously not an issue, yeah. Yeah. or the panel is not reviewing as many inf- instances as what it should yeah. be doing, which I suspect it's more to the latter. Yeah. And that's what that's what annoys yeah. me. Rather than looking at individual cases like this, is the the general theory behind it. And to me, the whole thing appears to be flawed at yeah. the moment. And uh, and you saw that, you know, on, on, on Sunday, where it was quite clearly a an attempt by Martial to influence the decision of the of the referee. Well, as you say, Adam, it was, it was theatrical for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So maybe it's a case, really. Perhaps all penalty incidents should be reviewed and just as a matter of course, I mean, they, they go, oh yeah, that one's clearly penalties brought down. Just have a look at them all in the Premier mm-hmm. League over a given weekend. And then when there's full transparency then, every penalty incident is, is being looked at. Okay, somebody's thrown out straight away saying, yeah, that's a clear-cut penalty. Yeah. But um, then at least we know we're, we're all uh, on the sa- singing from the same hymn sheet. Well, VAR, dare I say, uh, <laughs> give that, give that uh, capability. Well, there's every chance it will do, yeah, because I mean, yeah. it's uh, only for... 
what, what's the phrase they use? You know, so clear and obvious, you know, so yeah. errors, of, mm. errors of judgment. I mean, that, that could clearly come under that category. E- even that's not infallible for the this deception but thing. The, 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 pro- the problem yeah. is, like, the, as, you, as you say, there's a number of referees have come out in support saying that this shouldn't have been a penalty, but there have been a number saying that it still is a penalty yeah, somehow. Yeah. So even if that was referred to VAR, John Moss would go over yeah. and have another look at it. Would he have? Would he overturn his decision at Old Trafford in front of seventy five thousand people? I doubt well, it. Like once you yeah. seen, well, put it this way: once he see, sees a Ghana guy kick the ball, then it becomes a far more difficult decision yeah. to give mm. a penalty, doesn't it? That's that's the thing, and but that's the sort of dynamic that around VAR, which is for another day. Yeah, it, it's okay in World Cups where everybody's neutral and the, the influence, crowd mm. influence yeah. is not not as uh, not as great, mm-hmm. but in a you know, in a home ground with seventy odd thousand supporters supporting, you know, the home team, yeah, yeah. like like on Sunday becomes a completely different decision mm-hmm. for the referee to make, and uh, that's where I think the interesting dynamic will be about around VR around does it totally remove the so-called top six bias? Bear in mind, we did have a penalty given contentiously. It'd have been hard. So I was, I was top, sorry, top six, yeah. one later in the same game. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, but yeah. you know the that Anfield last year, you know, so yeah. it's an interesting on this, but I just thought um it wasn't a penalty. Mm. I, I'd love to see, you know, a major change in this, which will never ever happen, we know. But referees just being asked, you know, to explain their decisions at the end of the game, certainly mm. contentious decisions. And the FA have always resisted that because um, of the extra pressure it would place on match officials, you know, having to come out and explain themselves. But just to give some indication as to, you know, why they gave the decision, if he hadn't seen it just again make contact with the ball, fair enough. You know, if he believed that he had seen that, but he then believed that Edgar classic him after the uh, you know the challenge okay we can start to understand it a little I always remember uh, when Mark Halsey got in touch with uh, with David Moyes after sending Joseph Yobo off up in Newcastle a few years ago yeah. and explaining look you know I'm really sorry you know I, I didn't want to send him off but this is why I did and we didn't know that conversation had taken place but David Moyes made it he was aware of it and he started to understand Mark Halsey a little bit better as a result of that and it did in favours I thought and I just would like to see referees spoken you know, spoken to more frequently. Let's hear what they, what they even sound like. We don't even know referees sound like. Yeah. The only Port here, and it's the only one I can recall that's ever gone in front of the cameras. Yeah. And that was about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, they are. They're almost like this like special breed that, you know, they shall not be touched. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, no, in NFL, American football will never go down this road in, in our football because it make it too top, stop, start. But they actually are mic'd up, aren't they? And they explain the decisions to the crowd yeah. on the spot when the decisions are made. And we mm. can't have that in our football because we'd be, we'd be dead all There's afternoon. Yeah. yeah, But mm. mate, certainly in retrospect after the game, why not just have a brief explanation of explaining why they did what they did. Absolutely. Mm. Well, let's park that issue there. Mm. Clearly a great degree, a degree of dissatisfaction still. And we'll fast forward I was going to say half a minute, but it's actually 11 and a half seconds, wasn't it? Which was the time it took Paul Pogba to run up and, uh, and dispatch his penalty, <laughs> which Jordan Pickford saved. Uh, is it the fifth out of the last 11 he's saved? You know, he does have an incredible record at shot stopping. And I know a couple of his uh, kicks from inside his penalty area went straight into touch. But, you know, his goalkeeping abilities were there for all to see. And after, should we say, a slow start to the season, I think it's fair to say that he's hitting a decent vein of form again right now, isn't he? Yeah, I'd say probably that in the last international break certainly helped him. Mm. I I would say, and he's come he's come back to Everton with mounds of confidence. And I think the most impressive thing, apart from the penalty save, obviously, which I think was a really really good save, I think that's getting 
a bit a bit underrated. Really, sure. he needs to, he needs to react quickly to get his arm up there. Yeah, like it, he's really unfortunate that it bounces straight back to Pogba, and there's nothing he can do about the uh, the rebound. But the thing that impressed me most was when Everton were all out attack in the last couple of minutes. Anthony Martial breaks down the other end, and Jordan Pickford just stands firm and makes sure he sa- he saves Correct, it with his yeah. feet. That was an, that was a really really good save. That was the mark of a keeper with years of experience behind them, not like yeah. the 24 year old that we're seeing in goal at the minute. Like that gave me so much confidence that he can just go on so much further. He's got so much presence inside his box, despite only being short as everyone keeps saying, but like, uh, relatively short for a keeper. Relatively yeah, short, short for a keeper. Yeah. Like his Neville Southall, yeah, big yeah. Neville Southall. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I, th- I think he, it's really, really promising. And I'm, Fingers crossed we can rely on him like that more more often in the Absolutely. future. And it wasn't the only positive from the game. I mean, uh, Andre Gomez started a second match. And I know he uses the ball well and, uh, you know, he's very, very tidy in his distribution. But I think he's got a bit of presence about him. He's got a bit of stature, which, uh, which, which I quite like. I think you've got issues about the midfield generally, Gavin. Yeah. But, you know, Gomez is a, a positive addition. To that Absolutely. Universe. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, showed on Sunday in, in a big game. You know, big crowds. I don't know he's played the Barcelona, blah blah blah. But in, in terms of being the new club, showed on Sunday enough to and and the previous weeks to show that he's going to be like a significant asset for us uh, if he stays fit for the rest of the season and maybe and take it from there. But yeah, I, I like him. That um, to me, like he's more of a box to box midfield, and and he was a goal threat on a number of occasions, wasn't he on there uh, on on Sunday, so uh, I was impressed. And as you say, he has got a little bit about him. That's why Barcelona bought him, wasn't course, it? Really, yeah. you know, let's not be, you know, negative about this. And uh, I, I, if he stays like this, he'll be one of my fo- first names on the team sheet going mm-hmm. forward. If he if he progresses in the way, hopefully, a player of his experience and background does. And if he progresses the next uh, few weeks, as he's done at the moment. When you spoke to Seamus Coleman after the game, didn't you, Adam? And uh, spoke about Andre Gomez to him. Mm. He's, uh, he's also quite happy with the way he's settled in. Yeah, he? he's, he's massively impressed. There. He yeah. spoke about uh, how good he is in training, how good his attitude is in training. Like he's he's instantly walked into the into the club, and he's just looked such an Im- an impressive player. And what what impresses me about him is, as you say, Breno, like it's his it's his build, it's his yeah. presence. Like I think maybe the English game might suit him a bit better to La Liga because he's he's allowed to use that kind of frame to yeah. you know he, he makes those 40 50 yard runs like straight at the heart of a midfield and a defense which we've not really had so far this season like as much as I like Tom Davis as a player I don't think that's really mm. his kind of game and he's not really got the stature to be able to do that Andre Gomez has like he's he can either dribble it round you he can play a 40 yard pass out to the wing or he can bulldoze right through you it looks like it's just yeah he, he, he has got a, a lot going for him, and he's not even he's not even up to full pelt yet. Let's be, let's be quite he's honest. He's got that continental knack as well, hasn't he? Of nicking the ball. You know, they don't like tackling on the continent. No, you know, they, yeah. they think a tackle is a, you know not really an art form, but they they intercept and they they nick the ball away, and he's done that a few times. You know, so he does his ability to shield the ball in the yeah. middle as well. Like when there's, I think Fred was nipping at him a couple of times in that midfield uh, at the weekend, and he could just put him put him put his body between himself and the defender there, and just muscle him out and keep the ball forever and then it's it was those like even when he was going backwards those like kind of simple passes keeping us keeping us in possession he's so intelligent well if there were two positives from the game um, there were a couple of negatives and 
Whether it's a social media thing, I don't know, but I've detected certainly um, a bit of finger pointing towards Seamus Coleman at the moment. I've uh, discussed this around the desk, you know, here, um, and it, it's like baffled heads and you know people scratching the you know what's going on here, Seamus Coleman. When he came back in uh, last week against Palace, I thought you looked great. Um, okay, you didn't have the, the best of games uh, on Sunday, but equally. I still think he's performed better than maybe John Joe Kenny has, but there seems to be some kind of finger pointing at the moment that, you know, because he quite hasn't recaptured the levels he had, you know, pre-broken leg, that, you know, we're indulging him in some way. Discuss. I mean, is, uh, are they talking absolute nonsense? Is there a point to be had here? I think, well, there's a point to be had about the whole right-hand side, but that's a separate discussion, I think. Well, we'll move on to Walcott later, yeah, yeah, but we'll just focus I mean. on like, Coleman. Yeah. I think that, yeah. but he's been brought up as yeah. part of that problem, hasn't he? I think that's why there's been discussion yeah. about some... I think he's in the massive credit column with Everton. Yeah, to be mm. honest with you. So yeah. you know, we need to give him a bit of uh, just give him five thousand euros yeah, to the yeah. Sean Cox appeal. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's a good guy. He just generally he's had that terrible injury <laughs> and he served the club for ten years immaculately. You know, um, it's worked really hard to get where he's got to. So we have to give him. You know, there's a there's, there's a balance there. I think. Of course. Um, I think Seamus's issue for me is that at thirty, with the nature of the injury that he had. And the role that a modern fullback is expected to play in the game, especially with Silver, it's going to be a big, you know, it's a big ask for him, you know, big challenge for him to to to, to progress where you would want to, you know, for him to reach where a modern right back should be in the Premier League. And I'm talking, say, say, Carwell will be an example of that. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Carwell. He obviously isn't, but you know, that sort of role, that sort of physique and stature, and. He, He's he's got to show that he's capable of at least getting back to where he was previously. But at the age of thirty, and you know, with the nature of injury that he that he had, it's going to be a challenge for him. And I think at the moment, there's a little bit of you know, he's still getting his way back to to full fitness. I feel because he had that injury, came back last season, but then he's got to start all over again in the summer, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And I still don't think he's hundred percent fit, and, and I think uh, that's reflected maybe in his. his uh, um, performances, perhaps, but there's, we've got to give him time and to give him an opportunity to to prove that he's capable of still playing. You got any concerns, yeah. Chris? Yeah, it's like Gav says, because he set the bar yeah. so high with what he's achieved before in the club. We quite rightly expect those those stellar performances. The thing that I've always liked about Seamus Coleman is that he's so different than many other footballers who are all academy schooled and they sort of robotic style of play they all do the same thing they they play it nice and neat but it's safe where he's totally off the cuff and he just plays it as he sees it in front of him and that's been very effective for him over the years but like I said that first game back he wanted to prove his fitness against Leicester City last season he had that incredible lung busting run in the 90th Mm. minute but you get by on adrenaline don't you suppose those first couple of weeks if we're looking at the bigger picture now week in week out his form hasn't been at those stellar levels these, these last few few weeks I still think he's he's the best right right back at the club but um, there, there were issues down that right side at Old Trafford um, like I said we'll come to it I mean it's a combination between him and Theo Walcott and it wasn't quite working for him and okay they were up against Martial who was a player who's very dangerous he was he was informed but it, there, were, there were certainly issues down that right side at Old Trafford What about him as a captain then? I mean uh, he's, he's led the team out a couple of times this season you know, is, is he the right man? I think, I, th- I think he's a great leader and yeah. I think that's probably the most promising aspect of his season so far for me. But to be honest, Preno, I disagree with you. I think John Joe Kenny's in general put in better performances at right so, yeah. back this season. 
Like if if it's a battle on on form, yeah. I'm playing John Joe Kenny at the minute. I know, and I know, like Seamus Coleman is the better fullback. Yeah, like yeah. once he gets once he gets back to his levels, then yeah, absolutely mm. starts every week. I'd, I'd, but, point to the, I'd point to the goals that we conceded with John Joe Kenny in the side, the one at Leicester where he committed himself, the one against <laughs> Southampton where he committed himself. And, you know, Coleman isn't playing well, admittedly, but I think he's playing better than John Joe Kenny I mean, going forward. Cole, and he Coleman, hasn't made those mistakes at the back. Well, he did. First game against Wolves, he didn't close down the cross, which led to their second goal. I better brush that one from memory. <laughs> yeah, <go> on. <laughs> he, he admitted against... <laughs> to, to support my arguments. <laughs> he admitted to me in the mix zone against Manchester United, he paid them too much respect and didn't yeah. close them down enough in the first half. Yeah. They fully attacked that right flank sure. for us. And like I know, as we're saying, it's, it's a, an amalgamation of him and Theo Walcott in front of him. But, yeah. you know, for that Martial goal, he just doesn't close him down again. Like, and he just, he, he, he lets him have that shot. Yeah, I know I it's mean, an amazing finish. And, but, I give the credit to the striker, to be fair. But yeah, you know, every goal is, you know, well, largely defendable, you know, apart yeah. from the absolute worldies. Maybe that could have been defended better. I, th- I think we're maybe being a bit harsh on John Joe Kenny, is, yeah. all, is all I'm saying. I, I think what I'd say, if we were playing at Old Trafford, I'm going to say White Hart Lane there. Are we playing at White Hart Lane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, big games at Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Man City. I'd, I'd have Coleman right back every day of the week yeah. for his experience. But I, I know what you're saying, Ad, is that on, on form is actually to pick for one game. Mm. Then, you know, John Joe Kenny has, has a shout. Um, it, it's, it's just about the same. Again, this is like, it's like talk about academy players the other week, isn't it? You know, it's whether Seamus is, Below, as Chris said, the level that he's we've expected from in the past, and has Silver got the patience to give him time to settle into the team? You know, if it's going to take James three months or four months to get back, back, a bit like James McCarthy have the same issue. Will Will Silver give him that time to do that? And then that that's the other that's the other question here, isn't it? Really. Um, and that, that's where the John Joe Kenny thing comes well, in. Well, I think it, yeah, I think it depends if he had if he had like a backup who was you know on on the same level, if not better. Like yeah. you look you look at the left back situation for this. Like Leighton Baines was obviously not performing to the high standards that we have been used to over the last few years. We've brought in Luca Dean, who's looks a world class fullback, and he's he looks to have instantly sewn up that left back position. To be honest, I think if we had a similar situation. At right back at the minute, then Seamus Coleman would be in a bit more trouble than he actually is. But Luke Dean was poor, wasn't he? I thought on not yeah. poor, but he I was, was going to jump in there. I thought yeah, that yeah. makes it sound like I'm sticking up for the old yeah, guys yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. the young guys. Because <laughs> Luke Dean didn't have his best game, shall we say? Did he? No, the, his crossing ability was a bit yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. earlier in the season, there were goals that you know he was a contributory factor in. As, and as Baines, was Leighton Baines. Uh, but yeah, well, Baines only one game. You know, he saw it down on the South Coast, Bournemouth. I didn't think he was in any way poor. You know, prior to that, and he just got bombed straight from that game, which is clearly comes back to Gavin's arguments about patience. Yeah. Clearly, Marco Silva doesn't have that you know longer patience. He wants improvement straight away. Baines didn't give him sufficient improvement in that game. Dean's come in, done nothing wrong or nothing significantly wrong. And, you know, he does look, you know, an upgrade on Baines, which is saying something because Baines is like one of the best fullbacks we've seen at the club for a long, long time. Uh, do the side, yeah, maybe Coleman is getting away with it at the moment because there's not sufficient, you know, absolute top quality uh, fullback depth. But, you know, we, we'll see. I don't know, maybe January's not that far away, you know, whether there's, a, you know, potential. I think there may be. I suspect there might be movement there. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see, we'll see. 
the Royal Blue Podcast. Looking ahead, well, one other little issue as well, which is a, an interesting one, not really looking ahead to this weekend, but slightly further afield. The central back partnership has been, you know, um, very, very effective, you know, for several games now. Michael Keane has looked like the player we thought we'd signed uh, last summer. And Kurt Zimmer, for me, has been a revelation. You know, he's looked absolutely tremendous. Now, he can't play at Stamford Bridge in a couple of weeks' time because, obviously, you know, Chelsea are the parent club. Yerry Mina is available again now. Do we just pitch Yerry Mina in uh, at Stamford Bridge for a baptism of fire? Um, or do you introduce him this weekend against Brighton and leave Kurt Zuma out? In I, which case, that would be harsh on Kurt Zuma. I'd do neither. I'd, yeah. put, I'd put him in against Gormaya. <laughs> I genuinely would. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, like, the tonight friendly. Yeah, yeah I, f- I feel like that's probably the best yeah. way to do it. Like he's not. He's like it's not going to be. It's not going to be a really challenging game for him, is it? Well, it shouldn't be anyway. Like it'd just be a nice way to yeah. get a few minutes under his belt of match action, at, mm. or like at Goodison Park, right. and then hopefully that'll set him up to actually play the full yeah. ninety minutes at Stamford Bridge. I think it, I, I wouldn't want to change the centre back partnership unless we have to. So I'd, I'd keep it. I'd if keep it keen and zoom for this it, yeah. weekend. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. There's an option of playing three centre halves, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. that's a fairly dramatic change, isn't one, it? Yeah, you know, changing yeah. the whole system, yeah. the whole formation. I, I think if you both play for thirty million, whatever it is, we paid for them, then I'd expect them to be able to come in. At Stamford yeah. Bridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I mean, the, one of the positives I took from Sunday was the fact that we're talking about all their threat being. On, on their left and our right, and we've been such a bomb there, was all in that before. So, but the, 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 I don't recall us being putting on through the middle of the pitch. No, even you when, know, even when you the know, come on, he was quiet. Rashford was a quiet, yeah. quiet presence, you know. Um, when they did get joy, he was on the left hand, on their left hand side, and that was testimony, I think, to, to the two centre hours performance, who I thought. Both did a decent uh, job, Absolutely. and, and Zuma continues to to impress me. Well, God, we promised to analyse the uh, the role of Walcott down the right because I suppose you know it, it dovetails neatly with you know the Seamus Coleman situation. And again, a couple of people have pointed fingers and suggested he's he's not performing as well as he should be. Um, I would certainly call him to task for the shot he had at the near post rather than pulling it back to a couple of men who were you know lurking um, in the second half. Overall, I, I think he's done well, Walcott. I'm a, I'm a Walcott fan, but you know that's a view not widely shared. Um, go on, Gavin, you're pulling a great face there. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah, yeah. The Grinch is about the to scream. No, it isn't. I mean, Walcott. I'm going to qualify this by contractually saying I think Walcott's an asset to the club as an England international. Blah blah blah. I sense a but. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I said after it was after the Arsenal game, which is what a month ago, mm-hmm. that I felt that Theo. That's what my mate said. You don't get a performance on away from home very often, right? And I also pointed the finger at blame Adam for the Lacazette's goal, if you remember, yeah. at, at at Arsenal, where he allowed Lacazette to, to pull in from the uh, from wide left on mm-hmm. on the Arsenal side to come in and have the shot. He didn't sack him back, and he did something similar again on on uh, Sunday with the same results though, though Martial's was a better finish they're both from similar parts of the pitch that Walcott and Terry should have been standing at the time and that and also as you say you know we had that shot and, and in the first half and some of his decision making for me as an England international of like 10 years and mm. 50 odd caps and played Premier League football since what since he was 18 is still I still find it you know less than what I expected it to be when he joined the club because you expected a fully rounded like Premier League 
an international player and, and there's still like large gaps in his game you know like tracking back on his decision making that 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 disappoint me to be fair though on his day he can provide more and he has done this season can provide moments of of, of you know of, of great goals and stuff um but i was disappointed with him yeah. on sunday and i think he you know sometimes players get to stick with talking about home and you think oh that's not so sure but sometimes get placed players get to stick like Walcott on on sunday you think well actually He's probably done a lot there to justify. Warranted. Well, yeah, you two guys yeah. were there. I mean, was yeah. that just a one-off or is that, you know, part uh, of a trend? What, what I'd be more concerned of, okay, of course you want him to track back and help the full, the full-back, but because he's such an attack-minded player, I want to see more from him go, going forward as well. He's, he's, been, he's been quiet. The, the, the front four as a whole have been very quiet the p- past couple of games. He had that great performance at Leicester City where they really seemed to click. And we thought we've got the balance right here with Richarlson at the head of the at- spearhead in the attack. Bernard down the left, Walcott right, Sigerson behind them. We thought it's a really exciting quartet. But I thought they've been quite quiet in both those games. And we thought, okay, Crystal Palace, they parked the bus and they were tough to break down. Whereas we thought they had that, that space to run into it at United. And none of them really uh, had made much impact at all. So well, I'd, Bernard more, did find yeah. space to run yeah. into and just yeah. didn't use it, unfortunately. Yeah. The, the problem with Walcott for me is his, is his track and back. Like, I, I think you summed it up perfectly there, Gab, for that, for the. Martial goal. Like, and I was speaking to Michael Ball yesterday, and he said the same thing. He put he's put Seamus Coleman into a bit of a bad position, really, because he's not he's not tracked back yeah. well enough. He's he's yards ahead of where he where he should be standing, and it's to put Seamus Coleman in two minds, and that's given Martial the chance to eventually bury it. Like, and Michael Ball was saying as well that whenever Luke Shaw had the ball, he just wasn't closing him down well enough. He was standing off him, giving Luke Shaw far too much time to mm. you know. Make make space, give give a pass, and try and make that run down the line. And it's it's annoying from Walcott really because I think one one of his most promising aspects from last season, like the back end of last season, was his like, how well he tracked back. Yeah. And you you linked it to that Arsenal performance there. And I think maybe some of the problems that we were seeing from John Joe Kenny defensively, maybe it wasn't helped by Walcott doing that doing exactly yeah, yeah. that not 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 help not helping him out enough and you know John Joe Kenny's a young player he needs he needs to be yeah. helped through these Premier League games still and if he's got if he's got his winger about well, 20 yards ahead of him not not helping him mark well, no, Alexander it, it, it reminds you more of an out and out winger doesn't it you know an old fashioned you know direct winger rather than you know the, the wide midfielder yeah, that, that, that can yeah, fill yeah, both I, I roles agree. yeah, yeah. Um, um, but you know I think Sam said that last week when I was saying not being involved and and I said that didn't I that mm. he doesn't get involved as much as what he should. Sam said that mm. he's a winger. And I was thinking, well, no, he's not really a winger. He's more like a wide forward than a four three three. But when I thought again, he is more like an old style winger, isn't he? Yeah. Rather mm. than like a forward who's playing wide. I think that's maybe part of the problem. Um and going back to uh, Chris's points as well, I think maybe this time just to shift things around up front for the next uh, the next home game. Well, I mean, the obvious change would be Adamola Luckman, you know, who had a bright cameo against Crystal Palace. Um, I, I'm, I'm never sure about Adamola Luckman. I mean, we never will be sure until we actually see him given the next standard run in the team. And, you know, he seems to have the same the same faults as, as Theo Walcott. So it would be like replacing, you know, what, like yeah. for like, I would suggest. Uh, are you thinking something more dramatic, Calvert Lewin? Well, 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 I'd certainly bring uh, Tosin back and put yeah. Alisson left. Yeah. All right, whichever I, you want. I'd put Richarlison yeah. on the right. Yeah, he, he can play across that front three. Like yeah. Marco Silva keeps telling us he can play across that front yeah. three. Yeah. Put Tosin up front, Richarlison on the right, Bernard on the left. Yeah, that, that was the, the 
don't want to go on about Sunday, but that was another thing, the little thing that frustrated me a little bit on Sunday is we'd obviously planned to bring the two subs on when it was 2-0, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, then we scored to make it 2-1. And then at that point, I was thinking, do we need to bring two subs on now? Because it, it was, the gap was only one goal then. It says, right. did, we, did, did we change too much too soon at 2-1? It was justifiable at 2-0 when you've just got to go gung-ho. But we're still in the game at 2-1. And could he, could he have been a little bit more, okay, bring, say, I don't know, Tosin on for whoever, you know, take Gay, Gay off and bring Tosin on. And by, by bringing the two players on as forwards and taking Walcott off, we lost our shape. Right. I, 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 I think because you've got three, sorry, we've got three foot centre, you know, three centre forwards and Luckman. Mm. We had at Leicester when he brought subs on. He kept Walcott on the pitch, so we had 4 2 forward, two natural wide men. On, on Sunday, he brought. Walcott off, so we had three centre forwards and a wide left. And with bringing Gilfie back, I just think we lost our shape too much, considering we were only one goal down. If we'd been two goal down, yeah, go for it. But we're still in the game there, and I think it disrupted us. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's 2 1, thinking, oh, this last 15 minutes here, we're going to really. Would it not have disrupted us in the same way if it was 2 0 there? But 2 0, you've got to take a big gambles, haven't you? Mm. Well, like, yeah. Silver will see it as. Is the same thing, surely? Won't he? He, he? he needs to put on as many attacking players as possible okay, to try and, to try and I think get the goal. I don't, I don't know why yeah. one goal changes that necessarily. Well, it, it does because you don't necessarily have to change the team as much. You can just bring to and say that what how, how it plays out for five minutes or so. If it's still not winging, but where can bring somebody else on? And I think it was bringing two on at the same time, plus taking Walcott off that I think disrupted the uh, the pattern of the team too much, considering we're only one goal behind. And uh, I would have just brought one man on. Well, to I know, be honest yeah. with you, I know the manager himself one. was disappointed with the way it finished. He said, "I think we were playing a bit too much with our hearts and not with our heads in that last yeah. Yeah. few minutes because they they didn't really push them." I know I've seen they all came forward at the end there and Jordan Pickford and everyone, but they didn't really sort of carve out some good opportunities. Like I said, it was almost like oh, we'll just stick it up there with no particular thought of what they were actually doing. So yeah, maybe a more measured approach once it had become two one would have been more effective in that latter period. Right. Well, we're recording this on uh, on Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> and uh, we won't look ahead to the uh, the Brighton game. We'll save that for uh, for Friday's pod. But there is a fixture to be played tonight. Well, is it a first class fixture? We don't know. It's the Checker Trade Trophy, uh, which for Oldham Athletic is a first team game. They've got to play what is it? You know, at least seven of the players have played in their last you know uh, league fixture. Everton, it isn't. It's an under twenty one fixture. So um, not. Even even under 23, under 21. Um, check a trade trophy. Is it an, a relevance that Everton shouldn't be involved in? Or is it a meaningful competition that, you know, that can can have some value? I have no idea why Everton involved in this. <laughs> right, I'm okay. not going to lie. I, I, just, I, I just don't see it as worthwhile in any way. Right. Like I, I went to uh, the Lincoln game last yeah. last season, away to Lincoln. It just didn't feel like a... A real fixture, to be to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it just detracts from what that competition's meant to be. Like you're not meant to have any semblance of no. there's sides like Everton in that in that sort it, of competition. It regularly record low attendances. Yeah, I mean, I was at Bolton in Everton's first game in the competition. I quite enjoyed the game because Everton were the very very young side. Again, you know how bizarre it was. It's supposed to be an under twenty one fixture, but all Everton's under twenty ones on international duty, so they had to play an under eighteen team effectively yeah. with Conor McElhaney, the sole you know senior if you like up front, and Everton somehow managed to steal a two one win. So that made it worthwhile. It was great but it's 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 an odd competition i've got a little bit of time for it but 
Uh, I, I, whether it will persist, I don't know. We spoke about uh, when we were doing the academy pods, but mm. you, I would keep referring to that. I must have spoken a lot, a lot of that <laughs> about younger academy players getting opportunities to play against senior pros. And this does this give an opportunity for that, or because of the nature of the competition, it's it, it completely under, undermines that anyway. I've, uh... I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not looking at it from an Everton's perspective. To be honest, yeah. I'm looking at it for more the sides who would be in this competition anyway. Like, it, it ruins it for them, really, doesn't it? I, I, we we can we can have other opportunities, surely, to give to give these lads a chance. There's a lot lot of dissent amongst the uh, the League One and League Two clubs about the introduction of mm. Premier League academies. And how, how, because, how much do our lads really learn in yeah. the, in these kinds of games? I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, it's the old-fashioned, you know, arguments about the Central League, which was the old, you know, reserve team football, when you'd regularly have senior professionals coming back from injury playing in that, and therefore you would get kids playing against senior pros and learning, you know, what it's about. And I think that's the idea for academy teams, because if you're an under-21 player and you're playing other under-21 players, you're going to play good, technically accomplished, you know, sort yeah. of tardy footballers, but you're not really going to have your veteran, um, senior, you know, full into, full uh, league footballer who wants to earn his money at the end of the week has got, you know, got paid for his mortgage and you know, it means yeah. something to him. And, you know, I'm trying to avoid saying, you know, hairy ass footballers who are going to like sort of kick him all over <laughs> the place. Please do, please but, do, yeah. But that, it's that kind of thing, you know, so yeah. hairy ass veterans, it means something yeah. to them. And it, it'll, it will educate younger footballers. So the Everson players that play tonight at Oldham will be seeing senior players there who, you know, basically it means something to them winning that football match. Yeah. And they'll see, get, have a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. But I think maybe this is what Adam's saying is that I think that's all very well if you're playing an entire season like that. So right. you play 25, 30 yeah. games yeah. in the, center, the old centre league where you're doing that week in, week out, you learn something. But are you saying that if you're only doing it the like fact two is or you, three, we're going to have it three season, times in is one season. It's really worthwhile, you know, and, 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 and I think that there's medicine that argument. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just got, you know, being a bit of a stato, I don't like it that. One club regards as a face, you fix it, and the other club can't. Oh, it's I mean, an utter anomaly, to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's daft, you know. But I don't include it in my records. That's the definitive <laughs> one. Yeah, then. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it blurs the lines, doesn't it? Like you say, it's a first team fixture for the lower division teams who don't want the big boys in there anyway, because that that was a route to Wembley, and, and it seems to have stayed that way. It, Anyway, because the, how much are they learning anyway? Because we look at the results, like you're saying, it's typically three games for Everton because all these Premier League academies, most of them, are getting turned over. So are they actually learning? The the um, hairy-ass footballers are actually winning out in these matches. The old yeah. pros are turning them over. And, and it's how much of a, a, a good exercise is this for them? I, I don't know. They'd probably be better off being loaned out individually to these yeah. lower division clubs and mm-hmm. learning their trade that way. Well, the jury is most definitely out on the Checker Trade Trophy. We'll be we're back on Friday for our pre-Brighton pod. I can guarantee the Checker Trade Trophy will feature fleetingly in that. Uh, certainly less so than it has this afternoon. But uh, feel free to join us and we'll, uh, we'll discuss briefly that, but look ahead to the Brighton fixture. Until then, goodbye. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.